with a change in this little old duck. I had 12 weeks of sick leave and now I am a part-time pastor that is just loving life. So I work three days a week and then three days a week I'm renovating a house and just loving life and just knowing that God is good and, and his love endures forever and ever. And it's an absolute privilege this morning to have my beloved come with me. She's been my super, super support over all the years. And so it's good to be here this morning. It's good to be in a Pentecostal church, isn't it, eh? Are you glad you're part of a Pentecostal church? Sandy and I were first part of this church, I think it was in 1987. We were here for just a short season, three or four years. Just loved it here. Praise God. But it's good to be in a Pentecostal church. I can still remember the day that God filled me with his Holy Spirit. I was in the bath. Sandy had told me, go and have a bath and chill out, Howard. (laughs) Chill out. I was like a coil spring. And in the bath, I had a meeting with God. And he filled me with with his Holy Spirit. And I came out speaking in tongues and smiling all over. I love being in a Pentecostal church. And I'll tell you one of the reasons that I love it, you know, I walked away from God when I was 14. I came back when I was 30. And uh, the day I surrendered to God, I said, as of today, Jesus Christ, you own my life. But I want you to be real. I want you to be real. I'm not interested in religious stuff. I want you to be real. And my Bible, I don't know if your Bible's the same, but my Bible says the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life is the sign, it's the seal, it's the guarantee of my salvation. Not whether I got baptised or not necessarily. You see, those things were to lead to the Holy Spirit being in my life and being real. I want to give you a little test this morning. I want you to just put your hand in the air. If you know, hey, you, some people were going to beat the gun, weren't they? <laughs> they're, they're, you're keen here. I want you to put your hand in the air if you know that the Holy Spirit lives in you and you experience him. You know, that should be each and every one of us. That should be each and every one of us. That we should be experiencing the reality, the presence. Now, for us Pentecostals, we have favourite verses, don't we? And there's one in Acts 1.8. It says, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Hallelujah. We'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. The word 
translated from Greek to power, English, is dynamis. And, and it does mean power, but it actually means a little bit, it has an overlay, it means a little bit more than power, it's the ability to do. You know, I've never really been able to do chin-ups. It's probably got something to do with the handicap that's in my middle, but all my life. Oh, it's not a natural thing, Mel, no. But, you know, I haven't got the ability to do chin-ups because I don't have enough power. But God, when he saved you from fear, when he filled you with the Holy Spirit, his purpose was to give you power and ability to do stuff. And I think sometimes we dabble around the edges of the doing. Because... Some of what God wants us to do is a wee bit challenging. And already you'll be thinking of things in your mind. G'day, Mum, how you going? Cheeky woman, eh? Oh, you mischievous woman. She always gives me a hard time. Already, some of you will be thinking about, I wish I had more power. I wish I could do more. I'd like to be a superstar, raise the dead. Well, Scripture actually says that the power that is given to each of us, did you hear that, each of us, not Pastor James or, Pastor, or any other pastor. You see, if you received the Holy Spirit, with him came the power. The ability to do stuff. And so already some of you are thinking, Whoa, wow. The main point of this morning is this. Believe in the power that's in you, whether you can see it or feel it. If the Holy Spirit's there, it's the power to do stuff. You have the power to raise the dead. You have the power to heal any sickness on earth. Heal broken bones even. I don't know. Speak to anything. Praise God. But this morning, I, I want to just quickly list four things that Holy Spirit's power has given you the ability to do. And I've just imagined that God has a checklist, you know, a prioritised checklist as, 
as to what he would like to see us doing. And, and I think these four that I've chosen, they're simple, they're basic Christian, but I think they're the things that God would love to see first. Maybe even before healing some profound disease or even raising someone from the dead. Will we start with number one? Number one, the power to live a sin-free life. The power to live free from sin. That's a big ask, isn't it? And I think God loves this because with, you know, if you dabble with sin... You just, or even live with one foot in each camp. It comes with confusion, it comes with guilt, it comes with shame. Any sin that's in or about your life is handicapping your future, it's handicapping your relationship with God, and it's certainly putting a big damp rag over the power that God wants to see flow through you. Let me, you can't turn your back on an iPad. Man, I'll go to the paper copy. At least it doesn't turn off. Praise God. A couple of scriptures just to confirm what I'm saying to you so that you don't think that I'm just making this up. Um, Romans 6, 6 to 7 We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Sin, by the power of the Holy Spirit, has no right... to be living near you. No right. If you have died with Christ, it has no right in your life. If sin comes tapping you on the shoulder, reminding you of your past or whatever, tell it to get lost. It has no right. The power of the Holy Spirit Sets us free. Second scripture, and because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power that leads to death. I'm not saying that you won't be tempted. God's answer to temptation is, I'll give you the way out. He does, God doesn't say, oh, well, you have to submit. He, you know, God, God's heart is that sin not be near us. That we'd be dead to self and dead to darkness and alive to Christ. So, number one, 
the power of the Holy Spirit is to set us free from sin. Number two, might be a bit different to what you're expecting me to say. Hope so. Number two, the power or ability to live sacrificially. The power to live sacrificially. The power to shift from a person who's always about getting to being a person who's giving in their life. It's like, just think for a moment about our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. He didn't come to get, well, he came to get us, but he didn't come to get stuff for himself. He came to give. And so God is really looking for you and I to be transformed by our new relationship, by the presence of the Holy Spirit in us so that we would begin to live a life that's sacrificial. When the Apostle Paul was writing to the Romans, he spends (laughs) eight, 11 chapters explaining the gospel, making it really clear to this church that's a mixture of Jew and Gentile. And then in 12.1, Romans 12.1, he says this, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead to you, give your bodies to God because of what he's done for you. Give your life to God. Give your life to God because of what he's done for you. Let them be, let your life be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. We worship God by getting up in the morning and saying, God, here's my life. I want to use my life to bring you glory. God, I want people to see you through me. Living your life sacrificially. The, I love how the Apostle Paul in Galatians, uh, he spelled this out. Uh, Galatians 2.20, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body, he said, trusting in Jesus trusting in God inside of me that the one who's now my boss doesn't make mistakes that's living like a sacrifice prior to giving my life to Christ I spent a couple of years quite suicidal in my thinking I didn't have a reason to live And yet, the moment I gave my life to Christ, all I wanted to do was serve him with everything. Been an interesting journey. (laughs) Praise God. (laughs) Just a little aside. Do you want to know, after 27 years of pastoring, what was the best voice I heard God say to me? Sandy and I were coming home. 
and I was just thinking about a concern for the church, I heard God say to me, Howard, you don't have to worry about that anymore. Just send an email to Anthony. Oh, yay! (laughs) I uh, I would so encourage you to be always mindful of your pastors because I can tell you that you carry stuff. You carry stuff. And I didn't realise that 27 years was starting to push me down. Just Paul talked about it. He talks about the care and the concern of others. You know, in a church, (laughs) there's all sorts of people in church. There's some people don't need much care at all. And then there's others that need extra care. That's just life. That's church. But pray for your pastors. Just because James is smiling doesn't mean that he's doing it easy. I can assure you of that. Ah, okay. So, power to live free. The power to live sacrificially. Three, we'll do real quick. Jesus Christ came and he walked on the earth with a mission to save people. And he handed that mission over to you and I. So I want to speak to you just quickly about two aspects of that mission. Have you heard the words show and tell or tell and show? Jesus would share the gospel. The kingdom of God is right near. That's telling. Then he'd heal a sick person. He'd say, huh, that's showing. Well, you and I, we've been called to a mission that's called show and tell. Some people love to tell. Tell everyone what their opinion is. But no, we were given the task of preaching the gospel. And so number three is preaching the gospel effectively. And uh, we could look at scriptures, but I'm just going to mention them. The Apostle Paul said it's not a profound thing. It's a simple gospel. It's just plain truth that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came from heaven and died for you and I. He paid the price. He effectively bought us. He rose from the dead and he declared that there's another life, the other side of death, that's worth being in. God, you know, for years and years, pastoring, I used to make this excuse. (laughs) I'm not an evangelist. I'm just a preacher pastor. Then a few few years ago, a lot of years ago, I was invited to go to the Philippines to Mindanao. (laughs) 
I was introduced as the evangelist from Australia. <laughs> Far out. We went to a village of about 300. The first night we saw 150 of them saved. And the second night we saw the blind eyes open. And God shocked me a bit. <laughs> but every one of us is called by God to preach the gospel effectively. Whether you use your testimony and tell others how God changed you and why you were changed and why you've got a smile on your face. Whether you go out with a tract and explain it. We're, we're really close friends with Peter Patterson from Mackay and he, he's doing marvellous ministry in, in um, northern India and in the Philippines. His gospel is so simple. He preaches it so effectively they see people running to the front, running to the front to get saved. His gospel sees people filled and overflowing with the Holy Spirit. The power to live a sin-free life. The power, the ability to live sacrificially. The power to preach the gospel effectively. And the fourth one, I love this one. The power to heal the sick and cast out demons. Was that not on the forefront of what Jesus Christ did? Shouldn't it be on the forefront of who we are if we are his sons and daughters? We talk a lot about healing. We have all thoughts about healing the sick, why it happens, why it doesn't happen to... No, 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 no. A couple of things I want to say about healing. Jesus sent out 12, heal the sick and cast out demons, and they did it. Then for our sake, he messed it up. He sent out 72. He was saying it wasn't just the apostles I sent out. It was you and I to heal the sick and cast out demons. We're all called to that, heal the sick, cast out demons. Casting out demons doesn't mean shaking and screaming. It can mean that. I remember one night here, Ezekiel Chung was here. Ian and Heaney Matheson were here. You remember them, some of you guys? And uh, after the meeting, they, someone came and got me and said, Ian and Heaney want you out in the lawn. <laughs> I think they thought I had something special. I get out there and here's this young girl manifesting on the lawn. I thought, I'll step into this. <clears throat> Until she did a somersault backwards <clears throat> without moving 
and screamed at me, you can't have her, she's mine. And Ian and I picked this girl up and bring her in through the side door. One moment it's like we're dragging her and next moment she's like a, a post. Put her feet near the side of the door, wouldn't come in the building. When we got her inside, the minister from, I think he was from Korea, he just, in the name of Jesus, get out. In the name of Jesus, get out. And, and he taught me something that night. He said to me, oh, when I first started, that would have taken me three weeks. Now I know who I am. All of us need to go on a journey with the Holy Spirit. Because none of us can heal anyone. None of us can kick out a demon, lest the power be within us. Because you're absolutely dependent on the Holy Spirit to heal the sick. Jesus was. Never think that Jesus did it in his own right. He depended on the Holy Spirit, the same spirit you and I have. Now, one more thing, or maybe a couple more things about healing. I have yet to find in the Bible where God tells us believers to go and pray for the sick. He doesn't say, go and pray for the sick. He said, go and heal them. There's a subtle difference between praying for the sick and actually healing the sick. Those who believe will lay hands on the sick and they'll be healed. Sometimes I think praying for the sick is me copping out, not expecting healing to happen right there and then. I love it that Jesus Christ once prayed for a person twice before the healing happened. Isn't that good? That if, if we lay hands on someone and nothing happens, oh, well, God doesn't want to heal. God does want to heal the sick. Come on, get out of unbelief. God wants to heal the sick. You know, if you happen to be in a situation, if you get out preaching the gospel effectively, you'll uncover some demons. And if you see a demon manifest, don't run. Laugh. Because if a demon manifests, he's lost his cover. He's one step off leaving. Randy Clark, I've done some stuff with Randy Clark online. He says this, if you see a demon, you've got him. If you can see him, you've got him. Because they love to hide. But if you see a demon manifesting, you've got him. He's lost his cover. Better pull up quick. The power to live a sin-free life. 
the power, the ability to live sacrificially. The power and the ability to preach the gospel effectively. The power to heal the sick and to cast out demons is why you were given the Holy Spirit. Let me just circle around and just finish this. Healing the sick and casting out demons. To my knowledge, there's only one place where the disciples could not set a person free and heal that person. Jesus came down off the mountain and there was a man with a son who was possibly epileptic a bunch of disciples and some religious people. And when Jesus gets there, the dad said, I brought my son to your disciples and they couldn't heal him. And later the disciples said to Jesus, come on, why couldn't we do it? We've done it before. We had testimonies. We, ah. Jesus answered to them, well, you didn't have enough faith. Well, whoa, Jesus. Because then he turns around and he says, if you have the faith of a mustard seed... You can speak to a mountain and it'll go. So was he really talking about how much faith or in the situation they didn't have faith? I think Jesus was really saying to those disciples, in this situation, you just didn't believe I would do it through you. I love... There's a crazy man, Todd White. Anyone who's been chasing healing will have heard Todd White. His testimony is, I prayed for a thousand people before I saw one healed. (laughs) He was just convinced it was in him to do it. Often, we have a couple of goes. Ah, well... Can't be anointed to do that because it's not happening. Forget about what the word says. I just um, make out I haven't got the power to do that. <laughs> Come on, stop, stop mucking around with the word of God. You've been given the power. Oh, I could talk about this for ages because... God's taken me on some crazy stuff, pursuing healing. Hallelujah. Would you all just bow your head, close your eyes. I know some of you, but I don't know all of you by any means. Jesus Christ came into the world to die. 
for each and every one of us so that we'd be saved. He was crucified paying the price. He rose again to declare that he was the king and to make it clear there's a life after death. I want to ask you this morning, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, if you've never been like me, come to that place where you have surrendered categorically to Jesus Christ. I want to ask you, would you like to this morning? Is the Holy Spirit just moving in your heart this morning, just encouraging you that today could be your day of giving your life to Christ? And if there's a person like that here this morning, would you just show me? And I'm not going to promise to not embarrass you. Honest, I'm not going to promise that. Because Jesus Christ is worth everything. Is there a person here this morning that would like to give their life to Christ? If there is, would you just show me with your hand high? Praise God. It appears as if we're all saved. That's great. Did I miss a hand? Oh, sorry, bro. I... I see your hand. I must have scanned right over the top of you. What a great decision you're making. I want to tell you personally, I gave my life to, I wasn't in church, I was in a tractor in the middle of a dusty paddock when I gave my life to Christ. I can remember I got up the next morning and I was halfway between the bedroom and the kitchen and I felt this thing in me. I heard a thought, it just said, oh, there's something different happening in me. And God replied to me, he said, Howard, I've never been in your life before till now. And just by putting your hand in the air you're inviting God Almighty to come into your life and save you praise God now I said I promised I wouldn't embarrass you would you just look at me I said I wouldn't embarrass you but do you mind if this whole church knows that you've made this decision this morning? Would you stand up? Everyone in the church, would you look at this man? So, those who have a responsibility for new people, Praise God. Normally the music team would come and finish the service, wouldn't they not? Over to you, Kate. Thanks, Mel.